Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line, or maybe even read stories with me, or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Welcome back to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. Hey everybody, I'm your host Mark and joining me for the first time is Cornell. Welcome to the show. Hi guys. I'm excited to have you on. You have written a lot of uh, lore for Listener Lore and it typically involves like Harlequins. Um, And yeah, it's always fantastic, man. Your stories are always like well-written, 40K-flavored, kind of unique, too, in some of the areas that you take it. I really like the the writing style of it all. Oh, thanks a bunch. It means a lot, man. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe not technically Harlequins this time. We've got Sisters of Battle, but yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Sisters of Battle this time. Um, do you collect and have minis of them, too? Do I get a, get teased by the sweet minis? Yeah, well, don't actually, but maybe, okay. maybe in the future, we'll maybe. see. Okay. Well, thankfully, I have a good imagination, so I can pretend, and I think you'll paint a good enough picture that I can pretend pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> cool. This story is called "The Vis- Visitations of Lillian Moonfeather," a Sisters of Battle story. Um, do you have any like one sentence teaser before we get into it, or do we just want to dive in and see where it takes us? I'm happy to just dive in, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm just kind of scrolling through. There's a couple spots. It looks like we can just jump back and forth between these kind of different dates. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, Um, If you want, we could alternate um, each time there's a date change or a scene change. Yeah, yeah, let's do it that way. All right, I'll, I'll start. Uh, Nirvana's N, Hive Resplendent. 847.m41 Scab runs through the crooked alleys of the Undercity, ricocheting off plascrete walls and sliding along the slick of some unidentifiable slime. The slavering Sliber cannon slams into the wall as it loses its footing, and Scab throws herself terrified into a narrow maintenance duct opening. The duct covering is shorn in half as the beast tears it off with its powerful augmented jaws. Scab scrambles backward along a narrow crawl space. Terrified, she is caught between the snapping jaws and the speeding fan unit. Screaming, kicking, trapped, terrified. She cannot remember when her mind gave out and when she lost consciousness, but she will always remember the dream that followed. The saint descended towards her on angelic wings, her hand outstretched. Her... What is that word? Bataic face is radiant with compassion. There is a flash of cathedric. Forty K words. I love it. Cathedralis primus. 
Cathedralis Primus, and the face of the Sister Superior Monstata. Go to her. Your salvation is at hand. Arcturus II, Scala Progenium, 859.m41. Novitiate Seraphina is completing her 90 minutes of mandatory solitary worship in the small chapel off the Officorum wing of the Scala Progenium when she sees the saint again. She remembers almost nothing of her early life in the alleys and crawl spaces of Hive Resplendent following her indoctrination and mental cleansing, but she has never forgotten the saint. She knew better than to inform others of her experience. Many would not understand. Some would seek to cause her harm. Her youth taught her to be wary, not to trust easily. Over the years, she has felt the saint's influence in flashes of golden insight, nearer to instinct than conscious thought, each time accompanied by a glorious sense of truth and belonging. This was how she knew to target Vidar's left knee in combat training how she had known the answers to her tactical assessment, and how she had recognized a potential sponsor in Preacher Mikkel. This day, the saint appears before her in a semi-conscious haze, the same beatific face, the glorious angelic wings, and the blessed aura of overwhelming beneficence that brings tears to Seraphina's eyes. Deafened by a long, drawn-out choral tone, Seraphina can nevertheless hear the saint when she begins speaking without words in her mind. Dutiful Seraphina, a cancer thrives in the underbelly of this holy place and it offends me. You must go to interrogate her Tasta and name preacher Mikkel a heretic. Do not allow any obstacle to prevent you from completing this task. Tell the interrogator not of this vision, but of the book he keeps in his chambers. Fear not any consequence of your actions, for your task is righteous, and you shall be rewarded for your dedication to your duty. Prospector's Folly, Earthwork C, West, Hell's Alley, 875-M41. Battle Sister Seraphina slogs through the mind of yet another benighted world. Her march accompanied by chaotic orchestra of bellowed orders, thunderous explosions, and death screams. She understands not the nature of the horror that she faces. Ignorance is the shield of the faithful, or so her sister superior Alexis tells her. Nevertheless, she pushes onward through the flooded trench network, outpaced by the floundering Imperial Guardsmen beside her. In a drove of white power armor, now splattered in mud and ash and viscera, she moves alongside her sisters to seal the breach in Calm Tunnel 2 and repel the eldritch invaders. The charnel house scene of the trench before her is lit by strobing flashes of sickly green energy discharges crisscrossing the opening of the trench above her as her battle above rages on. Without warning, the base of the trench ahead of her seemed to fold in on itself. She can almost hear real space tear as a horrifying metallic corpse draped in torn flesh and cake gore uh cake gore lungs up from the knee deep flood water to grapple with sister matthew her startled scream is cut short as they plunge back beneath the surface seraphina reaches out and desperately casts about in a stagnant water to find her sister but there is only muddy bottom in the trench it is as if Sister Matthew never was. 
Sister Seraphina stoically sets her jaw and right rises from the water. Uh, runnels of filth cascading from her blessed armor. She will not be broken, for her, for she is a daughter of the emperor, and her face is, is in deliverance is absolute. Seeing her sister stricken by the sudden loss, Sister Superior Alexis steps onto a nearby munitions crate. She raises her holy sword. Him on earth, him on earth's light radiate. Him on earth light radiates from the crackling blade as she addresses her remaining squad members and the gathering gar guardsmen. Do not falic, faltric. Man, some of these words are fun. Um, are we speak in the same language, seriously, man. And 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 this one, it was do not falter. Okay, okay, so it's a duck. <laughs> Okay, okay. I can do that. Do not falter. Sister Superior Alexis is cut short by a horizontal cascading of glimmering steel blades and vertebra vertebrae proceeding by an elongated silver skull. Alexis' upper torso disintegrates before Seraphina's eyes as if caught in a mid-air relk harvester array. Before Alexis remains uh before Alexis remains can splash into the water below, the mechanical monster is already gone. They're coming out of the wall, one of the guardsmen yells. All semblance of order is lost as a soldier shooting outward from the trench uh, parapet panic and begins scanning the pooled water below them for threats. There is a boom of displaced air above the trench. Questing fingers of emer emerald lightning drown themselves in the flood water, cooking the flesh of uninsulated infantrymen wading through it, and another wave of metallic scaled warriors crests the trench's edge. Seraphina can see her squad's faith wavering. Seizing the initiative, she takes up her sister superior blade and inferno pistol. If we die this day, we shall die in divine toll of our enemy with us. We shall take a divine toll of our enemy with us. Their horrifying foes stepped over the side of the trench, plunging into the stagnant pool below. Her sisters rally and load the, a fully automatic fusillade of high-explosive bolter shells into the metallic uh, marionettes. But even as they're blasted to and fro and cratered by the detonations, their wounds flare like, muni uh, like miniature emerald suns as they re-knit themselves faster than the sisters can inflict them. The undead warriors raise their weapons and lancing green beams reach out and disintegrate all they touch. Amid the chaos, time dilates and Serafina is immersed in a moment of calm. She experiences intense deja vu as she recalls this very moment from her dreams the night before aboard the Traveler's Bounty. Feeling the radiance of the saint's touch in her mind, she gives herself over to the memory and movements of her hands mirror those of the dream himself. The still warm barrel of the infer infernal pistol traverses the chaotic scene before her. Passing over each potential target, her finger gradually drifts towards the trigger, eventually angled at a nondescript section of the trench wall. Seraphina unleashes a melta beam, and there's a blinding flash of his light. As her retinas rec recover, they reveal a tunnel of molten dirt, at the end of which there was an especially ornate, lord-like skeletal figure surrounded by an honor guard of bulky warriors equipped with power staffs. It is posed as if they were holding some techno-sorceress device aloft. But it is, entire 
but its entire right half and whatever it might have held have been entirely disintegrated by the errant melt-a-blast. As great, as great runnels of molten metal sloth from the ab abominations form, Serafina notes absentmindedly that the sickly green radiance that was bathing in the scenes moments before has erupted. Serafina swears that she registers shock on its expressionless face uh, the instant before. With a bang, it implodes out of existence. The skeletal warriors in the trench are suddenly thrown into confused disarray by the loss of their necromantic overlord, and the burning light radiating from their wounds is extinguished. More sisters rush in to reinforce Serafina's decimated squad, and once the flowing metal of skeleton warriors form, now pits and craters blasted apart by their merciless barrage of holy bol bolter fire. Serafina joys the fray with zealous fury, sweeping her borrowed blade back and forth, Another monster is cleanly divided by each strike as she leads her squad in righteous retribution. The saint is with her this day. Bastion of Resolve, Dauntless Light Cruiser, Oubliette, uh, 17? <laughs> uh, 898.m41. Uh, throwing off my Roman numerals there. <laughs> everything. Uh, uh, Sister Superior, Serafina Saint-Touched, shivers in the darkness. Her muscles are tensed and rigid. Lactic acid burns in her thighs and torso. Her exhaustion is absolute, and with every movement, every moment, she struggles harder to keep her eyes open. But every time she drifts towards unconsciousness, the impaling spikes to the front and rear of the Iron Maiden wait to jab her awake. She accepts her punishment with stoic grace. It is only right that she pay for her sins. She has disgraced the honour of her order and behaved in a manner unworthy of her beloved saint. Her sisters challenged her decision to take on this penance. Some suggested the fault was not hers, but Serafina knows that she must have been unworthy for such calamity to befall her charges. She refuses to feel sorrow for herself, instead choosing to seethe and rage against her orcoid enemy, allowing her holy rage to build into a silent prayer to her emperor for absolution, absolution in fire. Serafina reflects on the faces of her squads, cut down by the orc ambush she led them into, the cost of her vanity and hubris, having pressed onward despite their stretched supply lines. She remembers brave Astrid who refused to back down, Cut hip to sternum, she still lashed out weakly with her combat blade over and over. She calls to mind the face of Teresa, who spots back bilious vitriol and cleansing flame with equal vigour. She lingers on the face of her beloved Katja, the death which all but broke her. Serafina's true crime was to survive where they perished. Her cowardice led her to retreat, where she should have cleansed her guilt in orcish blood. She cannot face the shame. As she drifts in and out of consciousness in the hopeless black, she senses the warm embrace of the saint. A comforting voice authoritatively whispers in her ear, this is not the end. You will yet know the glory of his light as your foes fall before you. Serafina makes her decision. She will not perish here. She will take on the raiment of the penitent. She will be absolved. The pearly oiled hinges of the Iron Maiden squeal as it opens, and Serafina steps forth 
into the lights. Mercy's Redoubt, Sanctum 66 slash 6, 901 M41. Stripped of her armor, Sister Repentia scab, pants hard, Jen pants muscles straining as she charges into the heat of this despoiled sanctum. Her veins burn with combat stimulants, and the metallic scent of the sacramental pain inhibitors linger in her flaring nostrils as foam pressed her lips. She is the tip of the spear, at the head of the vertebral stampede of her uh, elulating Repentia's sisters, thundering penitent engines and enslaving actral and sla slavering acroflagellants. Scab crosses the intervening space between her and the nearest of heretical cultists before the disorganized rabble can bring the poorly maintained weapons to bear. She vaults over abandoned pews, hurriedly tossed over to provide scant cover. And in just three long bounding strides, she crosses a once magnificent floor mosaic of the Primarch Sanguinius, slaying a Xenos monstrosity, now criminally defaced by the Sanctum's uh, lamentable invader invaders. Her sacred eviscerator chain blade revs hard and lines up in the name, lives up to its name as it connects with the first of the hated cultists and messily disembowers them. Her crude augmented arm, freshly acquired after Noctilus, drives the whirling metal teeth onward in the same heartbeat the eviscerator revives the second cultist at the knee. And so begins the whirling ballet of death, the shrieking buzz saws and flaming Prometheum of penitent engines cut down swaths of screaming cultists. They restra restrained occupants, the, their restrained occupants seem seemingly oblivious as they are uh, peppered with shrapnel and splattered by droplets of burning fuel. The arcoflagellates leave smoking corpses in their wake as they discharge great arcs of his divine lightning into their foes. And her sisters laugh as they tear their victims asunder. Scab athletically uh, periets and leaps through great showers of pulsing claret, killing with every stroke. She is driven to, to previously unachieved heights of elation by the combat drugs pulsing through her pounding cerebrum. The battle rages on, more and more foes enter the melee, and as the profane ritual to the rear of the vaulted chamber reaches its crescendo, her allies begin to fall. Initially a few at a time, finally brought low as drug-bolstered bol flesh finally gives out under the incoming weight of stray stub rounds and las bolts. Then, as reality begins to tear and twist around them, the flesh of their foes takes on a life of its own. Cultists sprout malformed wings and their limbs melt and reshape themselves into long bony claws. Other rise off the floor and begin gibbering incoherent sorceries. The dead rise up, vomiting, vomiting pestilence from dis distended gaping maws, and the very architecture itself turns against them, sprouting grasping hands with hooked fingers that drag their victims below the surface of suddenly vicious marble. Vicious marble. Her confederates are slain in droves, claimed by the altered reality they find themselves wrestling against. A scab's blade shreds its way through the latest flesh monster before her, for the third time, it finally collapses into tiny, into into many pieces to reform, and suddenly she is alone. None of the other penitents remain to witness her. 
The entire cathedral space yawned before her like a gaping maw. Friends and foes have melted into the living landscape until only Scab remains. Scab and the power-armored arced fiend at the center of the catastrophe. You have no claim on me, beast. My faith is absolute. The creature laughs heartily in defiance. At defiance. The creature laughs heartily at her defiance. A deep and booming echo through the suddenly empty cathedral. Its silhouette flickers and shifts as she charges towards it. The building around her turns to slurry as flesh, bone, steel, and masonry combine and all and are inexplicably drawn into the monster's expanding, enlarged form. She swings her eviscerator with mindless fury, putting all she has behind it as it reaches her foe. But reality flickers, and her blade's teeth find nothing but the air as the beast now suddenly is behind her, casually flicks her aside, toying with its prey. Burning eyes glare outward from the shadows gathering around the ascendant sorcerer, transfixed transfixing Scab as it begins another booming, throaty chuckle. The screaming voices of its victim clashing with its own each time its maw crackles open, cracks open. Pathetic child! You know not of the power! Its features contort as it tries again. You think your false emperor can? The beast's eyes seem heavy as it blinks them open, struggling against some sudden... struggling against some spell of sudden lethargy. Once prematurely fast movements now su seem suddenly. It's sorry. Once prematurely fast movements now seem sluggish and labored. Scab sees her opportunity and charges it yet again. Suddenly, the light of the saint flares out from behind the infernal beast, like a fury of invisible star starship's lance battery. The creature is cast in a silhouette and greatly reduced as its great sections of its form explode from it. It screams out in rage and pain. Scab he Scab's headlong dash towards the demon slows and comes to a faltering stop as she stands awestruck. From the corner of light, from the corona of light around the monster, the saint herself descends, swooping past its snapping jaws on majestic feathered wings. She trails a sparking cloud of billowing dust, which the beast chokes and gags upon. It reaches out in slow motion as the saint crosses in front of its form. But she bats, bats the questioning claw away with an explosion, explosion of divine light from her bone white staff. As the saint's swooping arcs continue, she reaches out and gathers scabs into her arm. She doesn't slow for a moment as her wings beat hard to pull them clear. As another, longer blast of divine light bursts from the heavens to envelop the beast, its, its screams tear at Scab's sanity as all life is burned from it, from its form. The coral din of the coruscating beam completes with the demon's pain, shrieks for auroral, auroral, auroral supremacy until reality reasserts itself, leaving nothing but the smoking crater where the monster was. And in an instant, the saint is gone, leaving Scab to drift down, feathering feather light to the shattered filigree marble. She stands unarmored, holding herself upright on the pummel of her blade, her torn hood flapping in the last gusts of the dissipating warp storm, panting over the smoldering corpse of the demon. 
this is how her sisters find her. Crusader's Promise, Dauntless Class Light Cruiser, 957M41. Sword in hand, Canoness, Urzen, Saint Touched, the Demon Slayer, marches to an ornate hatchway surrounded by lit candles in a somber corner of the battleship, Crusader's Promise. She is accompanied by a troop of her most loyal acolytes, each one zealously devoted to the each one armoured in obsidian plate with weapons drawn. They encounter a pair of, celest of wary Celestian guardians posted as an honour guard outside the chamber. The hatchway. We pray respect to you, honoured mother, for your reputation for zeal and duty are unrivaled, but you must state your business in order for us to allow you passage, lest we, allow we ourselves be lax in our duty to him on earth. Canoness Arazen places a reassuring palm upon her sister's shoulder. Your dedication to your duty does you credit, my sisters, but you have a higher duty this day. The saint has commanded you step aside. Indecision flashes across the guard's eyes, and it is enough to doom her. She falls limp as the power blade slides up behind her ribs. Arzen has no time for those who doubt. Last night's vision was clear. Her once beloved Canoness Superior has been corrupted, and her taint must not be allowed to spare bread. The other guardian's neck is snapped by Sister Sarth's pyrocystic gauntlets before she can sound the alarm, and Sister Akane's Melta erases the barrier before them in a shortwave flash of his holy light. Canoness Superior Rusksathia arises from a hard cot to one side of the Spartan chamber. Canoness Arazen has never seen Roxathia without her armor. She cannot help but sneer as she looks down upon the wretched traitor before her. Roxathia has allowed herself to wither and waste away with age. It has clearly been a long time since her last rejuvenate therapy. No doubt she passed this off as a rejection of vanity, much like the absence of keepsakes and luxuries in her room. But Arazen knows the truth. The saint has revealed the truth to her. She spits the accusation, traitor, like venom, and with a cracking bang, she discharges her bolt pistol in the confined space, deafening her to a secondary explosion as Canoness superior Roxathia's shocked face and cranium detonate before her. Penitent's Fury, Overlord Class Battlecruiser, 927M41. Arzen Dawn Eagle, War Master of the 968 Crusade Fleets, retires to her chambers, indecision tormenting her. She dismisses her timid bookish aide, uh, Trishna, and seals the room. She fears the consequences of the choice before her. She stands at the head of the grandest crusade her sector has ever known, and before her lies the greatest strategic de decision of her storied career. The fate of whole systems hang in the balance. Whatever she chooses, untold trillions of human souls will die, fed to the hungering war. The decision haunts her, but it will wait until morning. The night is the saint's time, and she will set her upon the right path as she has so many times before. Sleep comes swiftly despite her trepidation. She slumbers in the absolute certainty that when she wakes, it will be with the resolve of a woman decided. As Arzen's dreams, the radiant light of the saint bathes her in warmth. 
You are disturbed, my child. You have a question this night. Speak it and be unburdened. Under the circumstances, Arizans would he hesitate to expose her irresolution, but she trusts the saint implicitly and knows that there is nothing she can hide from her piercing gaze. Saintly mother, my question would shape Saintly mother, my question would shape the fate of seven stellar systems. The burden is great, but I am equal to it with you by my side. If I reinforce Demeter's belt, we may yet arrest the advance of high fleet Chimera without diverting forces defending Attica 9. But our ships are too few to quell the insurrection on Incendius 4, which threatens to spread across the sector if left unchecked despoiling many of our holy emperor's most sacred shrine worlds. Either way, untold trillions will die. Either way, untold trillions may yet be spared. Arizin pauses at the saint's response. My daughter, I know your potential. It is magnificent. But you are blinded by your mortal perspective. Thus, you cannot see the greater threat which lies beyond time's horizons. You must forsake both battlefields and reroute your fleet to Naritia Prime. There is a true threat. <clears throat> there the true threat lies. In the deepest cavern beneath the tallest mountain, you will find your ultimate destiny. Arizin would never have taken this course of action on her own accord, but her faith, faith is absolute. The following morning, their course is set. Redacted. 986-M41. Scab the heretic hangs in chains, stripped of her many titles and baubles. Even her augmetics have been torn away by those who scorned her. She is left half a woman by the scars of more than a century of only war. In the pitch black dungeon she broods, reflecting on the disastrous outcome of her fateful choice. She fears the sector will never recover from her blunder, and the loss of the irreplaceable fleet is unforgivable. How did she fail? Was her faith too weak? Was there treachery in her ranks? And what was the meaning of her findings on Neritia Prime? Why would her beloved saint point her to a chamber containing only a children's riddle, crudely daubed on the chamber wall? After all the trials to reach it, and all who fell along the way, what madness has befallen her? Tears in her eyes, she cries out, Blessed Mother, why have you forsaken me? In response, Scab must shield her eyes as the impenetrable darkness of the cell before her floods with divine light and the saint herself stands before her. As Scab looks on, awestruck, she is unsettled to witness the corona of divine light surrounding the saint's face flicker and then fade. Before her stands a masked woman of great beauty and a dancer's grace but nonetheless a woman of flesh and bone. She is garbed in a motley combination of sunny yellow and somber purple hues. The hollow lens on her belt sparks out as her golden aura dissipates completely. Affixed to her torso, there is an ornate golden harness with a pair of gorgeous, but clearly artificial white feathered wings which fold behind her back within the confines of the small prison. As Scab's horrified eyes rise to a bone-white facsimile of her own beaming childhood face, 
the being before her thumbs its nose and wiggles a pair of inhumanly pointed ears. There is a delicate tinkling of innocent, childlike laughter which gradually deepens and ages as the mask shifts through the life cycle, from Scab to Serafina to Arazan, until at last it becomes the face of Scab, the scarred and broken. And the being before her is bent over double, cackling and hooting with aged laughter. Scab is shocked to silence. She cannot find the words to challenge the horror before her. She has heard tales of such abominations. Eldar witches that think they are carnival players with a reputation for cowardice and duplicity. The motley witch finally straightens and her throaty crone's laughter dies away. The mask begins to shift again between a repertoire of familiar horrors. A half-remembered canid, her, fa her mentor Father Mikkel, an elongated Xenolord's skull last seen cast in metal, the face of her dying lover Katja, the demon sorcerer, and Canoness Superior Roxathia. Finally, it comes to rest on a beatific woman's visage, grinning in blissful ecstasy. As the mask shifts, the witch speaks authoritatively. My daughter, I know your potential, and it is magnificent, but you are blinded by your mortal perspective. An involuntary, giddy, girlish chuckle bursts out at this point. A very narrow perspective indeed. Made malleable by blind faith and reckless ambition, you allowed yourself to be manipulated for over a century. Dancing to the tune of an alien witch. Naive, foolish monkey, your corpse emperor never cared for your good fortune any more than he cared for your blind devotion. The only ends you have served have been those of my giddy lord, Kegarak. As she speaks, the witch is continually in motion, leaping and dancing about the cell dramatically with balletic grace. Know then that your existence was not without purpose. You slew our enemies at every turn and cut short the rise of those in your order who would have thwarted us. Your final act as war master was to break the back of a crusade fleet that would have threatened a craft world and an entire string of maiden worlds in the Lelioth cluster. She tips her head conspiratorially. Tell whomever you like. None will ever believe the word of an arch heretic like you. But if you must try, you can let them know you were visited by Lillian Moonfeather, and that she has now and forever inextricably tainted your neural pathways and your very soul with her alien dream magic. As the nimble performer concludes her monologue, she comes to a stop before Scab, one straightened leg before the other, and slowly, deeply bows to a recording of deafening applause. Her piece said, the witch straightens, turns, and walks away. In a flash of light, she is gone, and Scab is left alone, again, in the pitch-black cell, her ears still ringing from the final auditory assault. As the shock abates, Scab finally finds her voice and rages against the darkness. I recognize your xeno-trickery for what it is, abomination. My saint is real. My faith is unbroken. I will be delivered. Okay. Oh, man, that was fantastic. The plot twist, man. The plot twist. The This was a great story. The whole time, I'm like, oh, this is such a cool kind of uh, Sisters Battle or where they're constantly getting these dreams and they're sent on these wild errands that no one quite understands. Like, oh, 
Elgar the whole time. <laughs> I lied. It was a Harlequin story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was classic. That was fucking classic. Um, I really liked it, man. I liked how every story was kind of self-contained and like, you know, you just see a bunch of different action scenes and different kind of ways that this saint quote unquote interacts with them. Oh man. <laughs> um it was definitely fun to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh it was cool too. Like uh I really like how you describe everything. Like obviously, yeah, you write very clearly and very like descriptive, but I like that not once did you say, and the Necron warrior or the orc war boss or even the Harlequin Harlequin. You know, everything's always described so cleanly where I know exactly what unit you're talking about, even though you didn't name drop it. Uh, ignorance is the shield of the faithful, of course. <laughs> yeah. Alexa said so, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, like, like I, I often fighters. wonder, like, you know, the perspectives of everyone in 40k, like, no, not everyone knows even what an ultramarine is. You know, not everyone knows what all these Xenos are, and it's cool that you kind of just did it so smoothly like that, while still making it very clear. No, thanks, thanks. <laughs> it's funny. I yeah, I wrote a bunch of perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote a bunch of notes. Like I'm like, oh cool, this sister's a battle order. I have all these questions now. How who's the saint? How did she get going? Like <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't fucking matter now. <laughs> oh classic yeah no she's supposed to be a, a player of uh Lelieth, so like the elder goddess of prophecy and uh kind of dreams and the moon and all this kind of stuff uh Ooh. yeah i have a lot of other random lore behind the lore stuff in my head going on there like they <laughs> kind of as part of kind of earning the role to, the right to play that role they have to like go to some crone world kind of the original kind of moon of the Elder Homeworld, kind of through some secret warp passage and like collect some sand from it. The stuff that was like putting the demon prince to sleep in that scene. And okay, cool. Yeah, like but it's kind of like all in the sand. background. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. So is Lilith and Moonfeather then a part of your Harlequin, your your main troop then? Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've like got I've got a player for each of the main Eldar gods, uh just kinda with their various uh yes. <laughs> little costumes and kind of warrior and stuff kind of all set up. But yeah, she's like she's got her own little model and everything like very cool. I'll We're put on, it on uh, the right Discord, now, so he's but... just showing. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah, with the angel wings and uh yeah. That's awesome. You you flashed another model there and it was a model that was on a bunch of like dice. Um that yeah. one was super cool. Super cool. Yeah. Um yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen seen your stuff, definitely when we load this up, you have to post more pictures of your your troop because each one is just so not only like excellently painted, but excellently converted and thought out and yeah man yeah definitely had a lot of fun just kind of getting little kind of bits of each of the gods but then just still making them little just harlequins just regular harlequins but with yeah. extra costume bits and devices and stuff <laughs> yeah costume bits i guess that's the perfect way to describe it <laughs> oh man um 
yeah, honestly, I don't have any more questions. You you squashed all my questions with the plot twist, which is perfect. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I, I guess what's next is like, uh, what, where is your Harlequin troop going next? Do you have more stories about them? Plenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still another two in the back catalog there. Uh, one for uh, Morix Kronhart, who had a, like a bit part in Karagoth's one. Uh, she's the goddess of Mori Heg uh, kind of player. Yeah. Um, there's also one for the player of Isha in there as well. Um, yeah. And I'm currently working on one for the players of Vol and Kane. <laughs> so okay, see how those cool. go. Yeah, Vol and Kane would be cool for sure. Just the warrior type and uh, it would be almost interesting to see him wearing more heavier armor and stuff. And like, yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. You fucking got me. <laughs> that was the goal. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been writing? And do you only write like 40k fiction or? Um, I've uh, yeah, it's pretty much only forty k fiction. I started off with just writing a few battle reports, kind of maybe like four years ago or something. But I yeah, it's, it's pretty much it really. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, do you read a lot then? Like, where does it? Where does this excellent storytelling and vocabulary come from? Yeah, I read a lot. <laughs> like every <laughs> night since I was like four or something. <laughs> okay, perfect. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's all pretty much that. <laughs> yeah yeah no man it's it's a master class i love it oh thanks <laughs> um yeah do you have anything else about them you would like to share um yeah i mean i just they were a lot of fun to make a lot of fun to write and yeah it's definitely a challenge god uh dialogue not my strong suit i definitely have to work on that a bit but like yeah. i never get like a conversation flow back and forth but I have a lot of fun describing things and you know, like, <laughs> yeah. going into those details that you're talking about, like trying to make it obvious what it is without actually saying what it is. And <laughs> Yeah, I, I like to um, often use words that are like, uh, there are two words that start with the same uh, letter. So it's like uh, her borrowed blade would be a good example, kind of that flow, that kind of lyrical flow of the writing. I really like that. Yeah, alliteration, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you're writing Harlequins, you got to get in a little bit of kind of, you know... <laughs> yeah. Narrative devices and... <laughs> mm. um, okay, well, okay, so to stretch your to stretch your reading ability, then you definitely have to actually write out, like, some, like, play script and, like... Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you got the descriptions bang on, you got battle scenes bang on. Um, but yeah, it'd be cool to see like maybe some poems or some actual like songs maybe that they might sing during the plays. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be cool. I did try to do like a play script for Karagoth's one, but yeah, <laughs> uh, poems and stuff. Yeah, definitely need to give that a go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The ideas are flowing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, well, when you get your next one up, I think you've already submitted your next one. We'll we'll share it shortly then. Um, we'll have you on probably or whatever. We'll make it happen. Yeah, no, sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> cool. Well, if you guys have more that you would like to submit, I love reading them. Uh, submit it to lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget to join the Patreon page, Lorehammer Listen Lore. If you throw me a buck, I'll feed a cat with it. They always like that. And uh, 
yeah, thank you so much for joining and thank you so much for writing and uh, yeah, just keeping the flow move uh, the show moving. See y'all next time. Or, Adios. Or, someone will. <laughs> someone will. <laughs>